I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm I'm enjoying this beautiful Sunday. Ah, me too. It's nice here. It's supposed to be 84 degrees. I'm very excited about that. So I actually... for have shorts on and a t-shirt which has been a couple weeks so that's kind of nice 84 wow it's supposed to be 70 today which for Ooh, that's nice yeah for mid-december in north carolina it is beautiful yes that sounds really nice so well today is happy 52nd episode so we are recording our one year episode today yay one year um it's crazy like when we talked about doing this last year and it's like well I think even at one point we said well we'll just we'll see what happens and if it you know I I don't I think at one point we even said like I I don't think I don't even know if it'll last a year but we'll just write it out and see what happens and here we are 52nd episode um yeah it's crazy I remember that conversation like how long are we gonna do this for oh I don't know. We'll just we'll just take it by year and see what happens. Maybe we'll be doing it for a year. Maybe we'll be doing it for six months, or maybe we'll do it longer. Who knows? Yeah, and here we are. That's crazy. So, um, and it's really another thing I would think it's really interesting is right there was those there was that period of time when we were like, well, I've got this going on, you've got this, and so we can't record for like four weeks, and like, well, we'll just have to catch up, or we'll just whatever. And here we are. It's worked out perfectly. This will this episode will come out. I think right right around Christmas time um so yeah I'm just really excited about about today and so I have a question for you and we talked on the podcast a couple weeks ago kind of having this discussion but what is the most surprising thing you have experienced doing this podcast so uh, the biggest, most surprising, I don't, all of it is very surprising. I didn't expect any of it. Um, the biggest thing that has changed in me is the worrying. I, and I don't think I've given that enough credit. So uh, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I worried about everything and everyone all of the time. Um, there were constantly 15 or 20 different worries going through my mind at any one time, always. I fell asleep worrying, I woke up worrying, I made up stories, I was constantly worried. Uh, anxiety, panic attacks, the whole nine, all the time. And I don't anymore. Um... I just go through my day and take life as it comes. I don't worry about what may or may not happen. I don't tell myself a bunch of stories about all the bad things going on. And when I do get wrapped up in worrying, let's say, um, I don't know, something, let me, uh, Destiny is getting ready to have her baby. 
Uh, my daughter's due date is December 19th. She could be having her baby anytime in the next week or so, right? So I could get wrapped up in stressing about all those things that could go wrong. And I guarantee you three, four years ago, I would have been very wrapped up in it, right? Oh, you're 21, you're having a baby. And what about this? And what about that? And do you have a birth plan? And are you going to breastfeed? And do you have everything you need? And where are you living? And God, what if something goes wrong? And I would have been all up in all of that stuff. And then worried about my mom or worried about Nick or worried about the kids or worried about you, Dawn, or worried about the podcast or I could have found any one of a thousand things that I was worried about in any singular moment. And now I just don't. It's quiet where, where there used to be all those stories and all those voices of all the things that were going to go wrong. Now there's a lot of quiet. I, I just don't think about that anymore. It, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me how, how I could go from like driving down the road on my way home from work, having this idea that I'm going to pull in my driveway and my house is going to be on fire and my dogs are going to be trapped inside and my ex-husband is going to be standing in the front yard holding my son's hand. I actually drove 45 minutes home from work on quite a regular basis 15, 16, 17 years ago telling myself that story and worrying about that. Like to the point that I would turn in my neighborhood and my heart would be racing and I would be gripping the steering wheel prepared to see smoke coming up from my house and thanking God that it wasn't when I got home. Yeah. I uh, it's I don't even know if I ever told you this. So when my first husband, that was one of the threats he he actually threatened to take Dylan. He when afterwards, after we separated, um, he became an alcoholic and um, was addicted to drugs as well. And he would threaten that. And I, that was that was just a horrible fear. I was very, um, obviously didn't let him, Dylan, go. And I was very, I had set everything up I needed to set up. And that is a very stressful situation. But earlier I was, I kept coming, I thought I was coming off mute. And I'm trying to talk and I was hitting the wrong button. But so I'm just going to go back. When you were talking about worry, um, I think that is for me as well. It's like everything has always been a worry. Um, that what is what's everybody doing why they're doing it how what I let me overthink everything like everything that everybody had going on in their life right figure out how they could fix it I might not I would tell them to but like there would be thoughts that I would have in my head all the time even though if I didn't share this with, with with them like using you as an example right where I'm obsessing about what you're going through with Nick and I you know and I would think of this and I think of this and I think of this and I'd hash it out and I'm like I'm like I was living your living your life and so I never slept I would was always like stressed out I was always and now it's like I don't do that it's it's your life it's my mom's life it's my kids lives it's my friends lives it's right I just don't worry about it now that doesn't mean I don't care it just means 
I can't live your life in my head. I like how you said that. It's not that I don't care because I desperately care. I care very much. I just don't worry about it anymore. Right. Right? Like, yes, I would be absolutely traumatized if my daughter went through labor and it wasn't a good labor and delivery. If she had a negative experience, it would be absolutely heartbreaking for me. I care a lot about how my daughter's labor and delivery experience goes. And I do not sit around and worry about it. I, I would, just don't. Would you, because I, I know me in this that situation, I would be, right, I've been through labor and delivery, right? We've had kids. I would, to the point, like, paint this picture. Like, I would picture her, like, laying on the bed and, and her pushing and her having this and watching the, you know, the placenta. Like, I would go to those extremes. I used to. I, and there have been a couple of times, I, I, right, I have to be honest, because this is my baby. This is my daughter. I love her. This is my granddaughter coming into the world. I already love her. There have been a couple of times that I have gone down that rabbit hole. Um, and thanks to recovery and thanks to CODA, and thanks to working the 12 steps in my life, I am able to sit in that rabbit hole for maybe 30 seconds or a minute and then be like, whoa, whoa, what am I doing? First of all, I have no control over the outcome. Second of all, if I'm going to tell myself a story, why not tell myself a better one? And third of all, I don't know that any of this is going to happen. So stop. One of the things I'll say to people, it's like, they'll tell me, like, they'll tell me a story. And it's, of course, it's, you know, when I'm talking with people in recovery, they'll tell me the story, this negative story. And I'm like, well, okay, great story. Now tell me the other story. And they're like, huh? I'm like, if you're going to tell yourself the bad story, tell yourself the good story. If you're going to tell stories, tell an accurate, like. Oh, you've done this to me. (laughs) I know, right? It's so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) In the moment when we're having the conversation, and I remember, I don't remember what the exact conversation was about, but I remember telling you something that I had, and I was so wrapped up in this thing that I thought was happening. I was so, and you're like, well, I mean, that could be, but what else could it be? And I remember thinking to myself exactly what I know you wanted to hear, and then the next thought that followed it was, but I don't want to think like that. That's too easy. Right. But it's, I think that's the part of storytelling is that we, t- that we do, that I've done as a, as, a, as a codependent, is I've always sat in the negative. I never, like, nothing good happens. So I never went over here to the good. The good, ha- the chances of the good happening are just as good as the chances of the bad happening. And it's, but you said it. It's not worrying about if it's going to be bad or it's going to be good. It's making a decision and then being open and willing to suffer the, the reward or consequences uh, that is the outcome. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me. It's like I still make mistakes. The difference is I'm not going to blame the my choices and the the if something doesn't work out exactly like I thought, I'm not blaming it on anybody else. I'm not blaming it on myself. I'm not blaming it on my higher power. It just shit happens. Like shit happens. 
And I think that leads into the absolute next thing that has been the biggest thing for me. Um, first is not worrying, right? Being able to tell myself a different story. And when I find myself worrying, when I find myself in the story, instead of being my own worst enemy, I'm my own best friend. Yeah. Like, I was... So what does that look like? Well, I, right, I was talking to my 12-year-old about that this morning. Um, she was saying something, oh, about a test at school. We were talking about a test. And she's like... I just need to beat myself up because if I beat myself up, I'll focus really hard. And I went, what? Honey, there's so many people out here in this world that are ready and waiting to beat you up. There are so many outsiders who are ready and waiting to put you down in order to push themselves up. Why on earth would you want to be someone that also beats you down? And I know there is a, it can be that, that looking at the negative and looking at growth, right? It, that is, can be a motivator, but right. We don't get a lot of cheerleaders in our lives that just cheer us on and only us. So you have to be your number one cheerleader, right? It, you can reflect on the bad. You can reflect on, I could do this better. What could I have done differently, but not from a place of, I got to beat myself up. Right. There is a way to focus. There is a way to take accountability and be my own best friend at the exact same yep. time. You know, you think about beating someone up, like it's a fist, right? And so if I'm beating something up, I'm, I'm pushing it down, right? I'm pounding it down. That's my fist becomes a hammer. Absolutely. Right. Instead of just opening my fist and, and then with the cup, and being able to lift up, right? Don't you don't need to beat ourselves up to get to that point. How do we We need to lift ourselves up? How do you to get beat to that something point. up to make it better? Right? I, Last time I checked, when I beat something up, I it ends up bruised, broken. Right. I mean beating things up don't make them better. Certainly not myself. Um right. I, and you know for so for a long time. I remember being this, like, I don't even remember how old I was, this itty-bitty little girl, like three, four, five. I remember talking to myself all the time. <laughs> I used to carry my stuffed animals around, and I would make them talk, and I would have conversations with them. I <laughs> had funny. this really cute relationship with myself as a very young child. And then, I don't know what age, 11, 12 maybe, that relationship just shut off. I stopped thinking about myself. I stopped talking to myself. I stopped considering myself. I just acted. I just reacted. I didn't think first. And then... That's... Go ahead. Sorry. And, and, and then somewhere around like, I don't know, late teens, early 20s, maybe mid to late teens, my relationship with myself turned volatile. I started beating myself up. I would just talk shit to myself all the time about all of these negative things I was doing. Look how stupid I am. Look how, look what a bad mom I am. I just screamed at them. Look, I made chicken nuggets again. And like, I just beat myself up all the time. And it took until the last three years of recovery and working in CODA, it, it, it took this 
for me to once again get to a point where I'm having conversations with myself again. I'm not beating myself up. I am intentionally being my own best friend. I, uh, so I, I used to have the doll stuffed animals as well as a kid. And I used to play, I'd play doctor, I'd play school, I'd play church. And like all of my dolls and stuffed animals, because right, I, I, I was an only child. I was, you know, smothered and, but, it, but in a volatile home. So I was always in my room. So I did a, I write, I, there was a lot of exp- like, expression through those dolls absolutely yeah right line them all up in the row and you got the class clown and you got the bad kid and you got the mean teacher and the nice teacher oh yes yes and it was funny because you're right it was about 11 or 12 that all of that just went away and it's like I can't even tell you that wasn't like a gradual thing I don't even it was almost like it just poof and it was gone right it just stopped yeah, there was something in me that I lost it. It was just like, I don't know if it had been beaten out of me enough. Like, and I, you know, I, you know, I didn't come from, I wasn't physically abused. My mother was, but I don't know if it was just this psychologically beaten out of, out of me, or I don't know what it was. It just, but all of a sudden it was just gone. And until recently, I didn't have it. It was just, I wasn't. Everything about me was negative. Everything was, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't strong enough. But yet then I was, but I would, then I would tell you that I was, I was super strong and I was capable and I was responsible, but everything was such two extremes because I was overcompensating. Um, But one of the things that I, and we actually talked about this in Thursday's meeting, um, was hope. I think for me, that is the biggest thing that I have now I don't look at life and I shared I've kind of shared this little thought now so I'll share it on here um I know before recovery I would wish for a lot of things like I wished for this I wished to be better I wished for more friends I wished for you know this I'd wish for a better that whatever right I was always wanting something I didn't have and but I didn't know how to go get it I didn't know how to change it. And so it was just these, I wished for it, but I was never going to get it. So I was always let down. That's basically what it came down to, right? I'd wish for it. I wouldn't get it. I'd be let down. So this up, this these ex, like peaks. What, so why would I ever expect to get what I, what I want? Um, and then, right, recovery comes around. And it's like, didn't happen right away like right it didn't I mean it's just I'm just like I'm slowly learning it now even more and more right there I can hope for the 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 things that I want in my life when we were talking earlier I for the last you know 14 months have not even really wanted to enter I haven't entertained dating I don't want to entertain I didn't want to entertain dating but I'm getting close to that point where it's like the hope is starting to like I can feel the hope coming into my into my body that there's hope that I'm going to find my life partner. I'm going to find the person that I'm going to experience intimacy with and and a level of a relationship that I've never experienced with anyone. And I have hope for that. And that's exciting. That doesn't mean 
you know, and I've said to you before, it's like, I like, you know, I have these friends and I didn't realize that that was, I, I didn't realize I was missing intimacy in my life because I didn't know what intimacy was. And I right. think that's one of the things that having these friends and finding f- people, finding p- friends, I found intimacy in CODA, but intimacy in CODA is very different than having intimacy with people that are in my everyday life. Yes, it and is. And that doesn't, it does not discredit you, right? You are one of the most absolute important people in my life oh absolutely I agree 100% and we share a level of spiritual and emotional um, intimacy that intellectual intimacy Mm -hmm. that I don't know that I've ever shared with very many people on this earth right and but there is this part of my life that you aren't in my life every day you aren't in my right we are what 1200 miles apart and I have, I'm finding people in my life that are there every day that I have, you know, text conversations with and we get together every weekend and, and I'm finding intimacy there. And I feel like my journey has led, led me here because I need to know what intimacy is. I don't question my journey anymore. That is another thing that I got. Yeah, I mean... I can see, so when you're talking about intimacy, I can definitely see and agree 100% on the different aspects of intimacy, right? Like the level of vulnerability and intimacy that you and I share when we speak, I, I it's just real. It's just there. And the intimacy that I share with my friends in person, with like my best friend, like Marsha, um, that is very real also. And that is definitely there. And they are very different. Right. And then the level of intimacy that you would have with a sibling that you're very close to, again, that knows you inside and out, that's very different than the other two. And then there's also a significant other level of intimacy, right? And and I think all of those are very different and yet very similar at the same time. And th- Yeah, and I agree with you. And I don't think... What I'm realizing or trying to realize, I think this is my just my journey. I would have always said my significant other needs to be my number one intimate partner. And then my right, my sister should be up there as well. Like I would rank people based on what kind of what society says right. they should be. As if they were all the same and we had to put them on levels based off where they were important to us. Because right. it was all the same, and so it was like a totem pole. Yeah. Like, and I don't think that is the way it is. I think It's different. That, Every, it's not a totem yeah. pole. It's not linear. They're opposite. But like, like, they're not opposite. They're the same, but they're very different. It's not a totem right. pole. It's separate categories. Right. And we've been talking about intimacy the last couple of weeks, and I know the whole thing, you know, with Nick and everything. Right. I want to have an intimate an intimate relationship with my partner, right? I want to be able to have a conversation and not be judged and be able to say what I want to say without, okay, I'm going to say this. I want to be able to respectfully say what I want to say and not be judged for it. And they can not agree with me. 
and that's okay absolutely but they but they respect what I said right and then we have a healthy conversation whether it's politics it's religion whether it's you know um what's going on in the world it's um if aliens exist or not Exactly. <laughs> it could be exactly. about anything. It could be about the things going right. It could be about the things going wrong. It could be about the things not happening at all. It could be about things that are imaginary. It, intimacy is about connects, connection. It is about security, right. um, vulnerability, and connection. But then I have to be able to be open. And this is, again, this is all just me talking about how I'm thinking about how I've changed and I'm growing I have to be okay that the level of intimacy that I have with you and the conversations and that we have and the depth that we go in what we think I might not have with a romantic partner and that is okay if you are okay with it exactly right so each person is different and what each person needs in order to be happy within their relationship is different for some people um happiness within their relationship includes once a week that they don't speak to each other because they have independent time or whatever yeah whereas for other people Happiness in their relationship means that they talk every single day because that makes them feel better. I don't, I, I don't know, right? I'm probably not giving the best examples, but it's so it's different I, for every person. I have a friend. Um, it's, he's pretty new to our group, and it's so him. So one of my girlfriends, her husband has been going on Bumble to make male friends they're new to the area he he's met all of us women and he like we he comes out with us and he's having a great time but he's also looking for like-minded men to hand, hang out with as well so he found he, he met up with this one guy and there's a, the very, a lot of similars so he's kind of just been added into our group he's married he's got a few kids I've never met his wife he doesn't talk about his wife We've said, if you want to bring your wife, oh, no, she, you know, she's, she's busy, she's this, right? So she does not come into our group. She could. We're not, I'm, nobody's saying that. But my first thought when, when that happened and I heard it, oh, they're not happy. Most people would have that first thought. Right? That's a story. 100% that's them. a story. I've never met this woman. They could have the healthiest relationship because they live their lives. He is getting what he needs. She is not a, she does a lot of volunteering. She's not overly, like, she's busy, so she's not overly sociable because she's social all the time and, you know, giving, giving, giving. Right. So she, she stays, wants to stay in the background. He doesn't get that. So he comes out and, she, right, I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to tell the negative story, then I also have to tell the, the, the positive story that they have a very, very healthy, well-balanced relationship because they can have their own independent lives and come together and be successful. And I'm glad that this came back around because you had mentioned this earlier in the podcast and I wanted to touch on it then, but I forgot. Um, as you say that and as you talk about the negative story and then the positive story... At the beginning, I had to do that. 
And what I find I'm starting to do more now, and again, this is just, I am very, very at the very beginnings of this. I am starting to not tell any story. So when I catch myself in the negative story, I'll then say the positive to flip my mindset. Right. immediately after my mindset is flipped, I come back and I have a conversation with myself again to remind myself that I don't actually know anything. I, I don't know. All of these are just assumptions. Each story is just that. It's a story that I'm telling myself. And neither may be true. There may be some third or fourth or fifth story that I don't know about because I don't know what I don't know. So what feels right right now based off what I know right now, regardless, irregardless of any story, because neither of them may be true. Right. It's always this, if I would, because of course I'm, you know, telling my story, telling these stories every which way possible, because I would have thought about it every which way. Absolutely. Never. And I don't, right, we will say don't, you know, don't use always and never because those are so extremes. But I can honestly say never did it come, was it ended up being exactly like I pictured it. Now, it could be a combination of all the stuff, but it never was verbatim what I thought. And you know, that's something new too. Because if you'd have asked me five years ago, what percentage of the time I was correct on what I thought was going to happen, I'd have said most of the time. I'd have said probably 75 to 80% of the time. And now, if you ask me if I know what's going to happen, I'm going to tell you I have suspicions, but I don't have a clue. Right. Right, because experience has shown me that if I overspend... Um, if I overspend going out buying something, clothes, whatever, I am going to have to maybe juggle a month next month because I've spent too much money. Now, that right, that's that experience has told me that. Absolutely, I know, right? But that doesn't mean next month, all of a sudden, I get a five hundred dollar check in the mail that I wasn't expecting that I didn't know it was coming. Right. Right. But that also means that I can just go out and blow money, trusting that the money will be there. Right. Because that also doesn't mean that you won't get a roof leak and have to pay a thousand dollar deductible to fix your roof. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's again, the negative story and the positive story always go hand in hand. Always. Mm -hmm. Like if I am telling myself a negative, I have to tell myself a positive to get out of the negative. Right. Right. And there's a third thing in there as well for me at this point is beginning. And that is, I don't actually know. Because for a very long time, I truly believed I knew. I still catch myself quite often. I believe what, like I, I believe I have an ability to tell in a very high percentage, high accuracy, what's most likely going to happen. I would not go so far as to use terms like psychic or anything like that. I would say more like empath and the ability to read the room, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and having the confidence that I do have the ability to read the room 
is also now followed up with the knowledge that just because I can read the room does not mean I know what is going to happen. And I think, again, it comes from you have taken your experience and now you're take, adding in your, you know, your strength, you're adding in your hope. And it's now your picture is just painted differently because instead of just going on what your thoughts were right now, you're, you're, you're using more things to be able to evaluate a situation. I love how you just tied that together. I do. I really, really love that. So yeah, I mean, that was HP, not me. Not (laughs) only am I using my experience, which is that negative, but I'm also using my strength, which is that positive. And then I'm taking my hope, which is that knowledge that while I want this, I don't know. Or while I fear this, I don't know. And I'm just allowing life to happen on life's terms. Right. That's why I was saying, the, the going, talking about the wish and the hope. Right? Wishing and hoping are different. And people think they naturally kind of would go they are the same, but they're not. They're really not. Wish, right? The wish is me wishing for something I don't have. The, it's a negative. Or, or the thing that I don't believe in. Exactly. Hope is... I'm hopeful that anything can happen. The confidence that it will come, the the faith, right? Hope is like confidence and faith tied together. Yeah. So I had a um, little off here, but I had a situation this week. So I think I told you that I took on a new task at work. And um, so I'm working Monday nights and um, I'm, currently going into work around noon I just log in I, I work from home on Mondays um, I log in a little bit later and then I just do this pricing thing and I call it a day so this has nothing to do with my direct manager um, she is at the same level I'm with it she just learned it as well um, part of this is there is expectations that I will be heading down this path in a more um involved manner so I know that where where I'm headed from my you know with conversations with my ABP but anyways she, she wanted to have my manager wanted to have a chat and because I'm different than I used to be right before again talk I would have story 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 but I would have been afraid to use my voice when I decided to do Monday nights, I was initially going to do Friday nights. And then I realized Friday nights did not work for me because I was tired. A lot of times my friends, we want to go get a drink on Friday night, whatever it is. Right. You know, I'm not going to give up my, I'm just, that's not going to work for me. So I talked to HP and figured it out. And then I was like, well, Mondays will work. Made a, you know, made a couple of shifts in my, you know, code of schedule. Not a big deal. It worked out really well. So she wants to have this chat. And I said, okay. And I was really puzzled why she wanted to have a chat because she has no say in any of this. And so she gets, we were talking and she's like, you know, um, I'm a little concerned because we're going to be getting busy with year end and I don't know how this pricing, how this is going to work. And if I, um, I need to know how you're feeling about it and I will push back if I need to. And I was like, 
Well, when I decided to do this, I didn't make this decision lightly. I said I went to my AVP and had a conversation with her and told her my concerns, which one of those was year end and right how this would work, how we would navigate it. And she's like, well, that's why we were now instead of having only two people do it, we're having six people do it because now, right, we're not all busy on the same day, right? We can be flexible just because I have Mondays doesn't mean I can't do it on Thursday. And she's like, so and I was like, oh, well, OK, that's fine with me. If you are open to that and you're flexible to that, I'm good. That's when I that's when I decided to do it. And so my manager was like she was just kept going on and on and on and on about it and I found myself like I'm like what is she so stressed out about like I'm and I know it's her and I finally said I'm just not worried about it like we year end doesn't start for another month why would I stress why would we why I be stressing about this now like I'll worry about that when the 11th of January comes and I have to do it again for the next you know in year end like like I'm just not worried about it I'll deal with that when it comes and well you know you're gonna have to I'm like I'm not worrying about it and I you know it's like before I wouldn't have expressed that I would have like I would have just shut down and I would have but I'm like no I'm not stressed about it like this is the least of my worries in the grand scheme of things I get my job done I might have I told her I said you know I might have to work two three weekends versus my normal one weekend during the year end Right, I'm like, what are we stressing about? And it kind of set her back because she is a stressor. She is codependent. Um, and she didn't know what to say with that. But I left the conversation just being like, well, that was easy. Because right, like I'm not worried. Right, I'm literally not worried. Like if I have to pick up a couple extra shifts, I got this. It's okay. Well, I'm not sure what you're so concerned about. Right. I've been doing accounting for 20 years. I know I'm busy at the beginning of the year. It doesn't change. I'm always busy at the beginning of the year. I always have to look work long hours. I always have to work weekends. My my previous department, we worked seven days a week, 16-hour days. Damn. Yeah. And that lasted for three and a half months. Wow. That's a lot. So this, coming into this group, I work from about eight to not eight in the morning to like nine maybe a couple nights till 11 and one weekend a month so there is nothing like that just doesn't stress me out I'm like but shit this is still a breeze but she's got these worries and what I could have made that worse for her too right I could have been yeah it's going to be really stressful it's going to be this and this and right and added fuel to the fire her fire but instead I chose to be be authentic and who I am now who I am and just I'm not worried about that I'm not going to stress about this yet I'll worry about this when it gets closer when we're there and I have to figure it out and then I'll do it just like we always do and well that's a good point she says she's like yeah I guess that is right I guess I didn't think about that we do have more people and we get and it calmed her like you know I have to say I can see that I think that's why me and my boss work so well together because your authenticity her so right she has this big job that she has to make sure happens and she's Mm -hmm. worried about it and her authenticity is hey I really care and I'm really worried and I'm really stressed and your authenticity 
to go in there and be like, listen, it's okay. I've got this. I'm not stressed. I'm going to take care of it. And her ability to go, oh, oh, okay. Okay, that's good. That doesn't mean she's not sitting at home right now stressing about it. Right, but that's none of your business. Exactly. I'm not worried about her stressing about it. And I think that's why me and my boss work so well together, right? Because like we were just saying, when I stress, she is like, whoa, dude, we've got this. Relax. When she stresses, I'm like, whoa, look at our team. We've got this. We're, we're, We're doing great. And between the two of us and the authenticity there, the ability to be vulnerable with each other and the ability to be authentically not worried about it and have that confidence in ourselves, I think that makes a huge difference in work. Like even think about your manager and you just a year ago. Oh, God. I mean, my manager and I do not get along very well. Like there is animosity. It's known, right? She has not changed. But that conversation doesn't sound like an animosity conversation. No. It, It could have been. Right. If the old Dawn would have been in that conversation, it would have been an animosity conversation. But this Dawn doesn't, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just not going to stress about it. Right. That's what my higher power has. He's got all that crap. Right. He can, he'll figure it out. What am I going to do? Now, I'm not going to say there wasn't some feelings behind it where that conversation where there was lack, there's lack of trust on her part with me, right? I've been in this group for eight, almost nine years. I've been doing this long enough now. I don't miss deadlines. I am always the person that is done early. I don't, oh, it's due today. Well, if I have the shit two days ago, I'm going to do it early, right? I do feel, right? And this is a conversation that I am going to have with her. I've decided when I do, we do our official PDP conversations of, I need you to trust me more. I need you because when you do this, it makes me feel that I, that you don't trust me. And if you don't trust me, that puts a me, that puts me on edge. And then I end up making more mistakes. I get myself stressed out. Can we do this? Can we do this? Like, can I ask you the questions? Can we do this live on the podcast? (laughs) Sure. Do you mind, really? Because it's probably not going to be very, I mean, because you hear yourself, right? Yeah. When she doesn't trust you, you doubt yourself, you get stressed out, you worry about it. Like, she doesn't make you feel anything, though. She doesn't. Mm -mm. It's all me. And let me just, because I brought my boss into this, let me just side note I love my boss. We have an amazing relationship. She is one of the best bosses I have ever had. So just side note that. So back to you, though. So do you really believe that her stress about these deadlines has anything to do with you at all? No, it has nothing to do. with It really doesn't have anything to do with me. And I don't think her stress about these deadlines is about whether or not you can complete your tasks. I think what you described, it sounds to me like your plate just got a whole lot fuller. And I as a boss, right? So as a supervisor, if 
my boss goes and puts something on one of my team's plate. My, my, let's say I mentioned one of my guys. I'll just call. Let's say my boss goes and puts something on my guy's plate, adds something to my guy's responsibilities at work. The very, very first thing I am going to do is have my guys back. Hey, can you handle this? Are you sure you got this? Do you need anything? Because if this is too much, you tell me and I will go straight to her and I will make sure she knows it can't happen. And that's not me doubting my guy because I trust my guy. I know that he can do it. Like, like if my boss gives him something to do, he is going to make it happen. Every single one of my guys on my team, I trust. And I know that if my boss gave them something to do, they are going to make it happen. And at the same time, my job as their manager is to make sure that their plate is not too full. So my question to you, Dawn, is do you really believe that this was a, Dawn can't do this. This is too much for her. Why would she, I don't believe they gave this to her. She's going to fail on this and I don't, I just don't trust her. I need to see if she needs somebody else to take some of this away from her. Or could it possibly have been a, let me help you if I can, if you need it. Damn it, Ashley. Damn it. <laughs> no, you were you were a hundred percent right on that. Right? It is very much what you said. She was not. She was concerned about what we have, and like this is our priority. This has to be done. And and I know that, and I know she was like, I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. I don't want you to get that. The problem that I, like, there is still those old way of thinking that I have that I, right, all this recovery work, all, I'm still, they're still there way deep down. But there's a reason I, for that, though. Right. So, right, it may not be that she doesn't trust you, but something about this conversation bothered you, right? Something right. about her it, coming to you got under your skin. It was, and it's probably an old wound that I, that is just surfacing because right I think that's the thing we these old wounds are going to continue to surface whether it's how somebody says something how we're approached right the day it is for me what I'm feeling in the day right my knees have been bothering me I haven't been feeling the greatest so maybe that's what it was right you know like who knows right it could be so many different things or maybe you doubt yourself and so her appearance of doubt made that even stronger and I think that's what it is. I mean... I think that's what it is. And really, like, I think you, you hit it right on the head. And let's talk about the growth in that, right? Because I know myself, if I'd go to a friend event about my boss at work, and that friend comes to me and be like, wait a minute, are you sure your boss is as bad as you're making them out to be? I would have been pissed at my friend for not being on my side. But really what's happening here is healthy growth, right? Healthy recovery. Like, let me challenge your way of thinking and, and possibly maybe have a different way of thinking if that's what we want. Yeah. You're, I, and you're right, right? When I, you know, like saying that, like, oh, damn it, Ashley. Like, right? <laughs> it's like, good. Because you were right. You were right. Like, there we go. There is an example of the story. And as much as I can, I've said this and I've annoyed you with it and right, look at both sides of the story. I did not look at both sides of the story. I stayed in the negative side of the story and did not consider, oh, wait, maybe she's trying to look out for me 
and make sure that I'm good. And then, right, there's that third side that we were talking about too. So that you had your negative, we just shared the positive and talked about the positive. The third side is, realistically, she probably wasn't even thinking about you. Probably not. She was probably stressed about meeting her own deadlines and worried about if she was going to be able to get everything done that she needed to do. And you were just like us, like you're one of those things, your responsibilities are one of those things that need to be done that she needs to do. It, it really probably had absolutely nothing to do with you at all. And, I, and you know, it's funny you say because one of the things she said you know I know that you guys are preparing and it takes you a lot longer to take do than it does me to review so I really think it was a case of my of my of concern for me but there is this history with her and there's a history with her that kind of gets in the way with my thought patterns well, and that l- sounds like resentments that you're still hanging on to. Yes. Right? And I mean, I, to- I think that when you said you have to have a conversation with her and tell her what you need, I don't think that whether or not she was doubting you or trusting you, I don't think that whether or not that's accurate plays, I don't think that plays into whether or not you need to have a conversation with her. I think that you have some very strong feelings about the way your boss interacts with you, the way your manager interacts with you. And when you guys have those types of interactions, you come away with some very strong feelings about them. Those feelings are not just there to be let go of or ignored. They're there to be processed and figure out why do I feel this way and what do I need to do about it? And that is a great point where... We were talking about avoidance earlier, um, pre-conversation on the podcast. And I, right, there is, I think, an avoidance that I have with her that I have not spent enough time on. That's growth, man. The Just being able to say that alone is growth from where our conversations about this situation were six months ago. Yeah. And again, with going with being our own best friends, it's important to acknowledge that growth, right? Like, yes, I was looking at the negative. Yes, I was telling myself a negative story. And yes, I was wrapped up in it. And hell, six months ago, I couldn't even see that I was wrapped up in it. Yeah. You know, this, one of the things we we just talked about was intimacy with our, our partners and then or, you know, potential romantic partners, friendships, and then each other. Um, I think this is a great example of where having a conversation with someone that gets me, you get me. In other words, you understand the thoughts, feelings, patterns, the all the stuff that my codependent brain has I get you I can't go I'm not gonna say I can't I it is gonna be I'm not gonna get this raw open non-judgmental right I am in a different headspace with you when we talk about things like this than I would be with my mom 
when I would be with my sister, when I would be with a romantic partner, when I would be with my friends. Ooh, absolutely. And that's another thing that recovery has given me, um, and I know you too, is not going to the hardware store for milk. Yeah. Being able to see the emotional availability of the people in my life um, for where they are. That is a huge thing that recovery has given me. It's made my life and my world safe. It's made, it's festered and added to the hope that I have because I no longer go to a place that cannot give me what I need in that moment. And that's exciting and it's an encouraging and, and I'm not discrediting other people in recovery. Like, but we've talked about, I can't, I can't go to somebody that's a single or a stay at home mom and talk about the struggles with work that like, right. That might not be a good fit. I can't go as a 50 year old woman with two grown adult children and that to a 20 a, a year old that doesn't, has never had children. I have to be, I've got to pick, pick the core people that I can go through or go to when it comes to certain topics. Right. I've got to be able to recognize people for where they are. Yes, um, that's not making them less than. Not at all. Than. Not at all. It's just different. I would not go to a psychologist to treat my dog's broken leg. You know what I'm like? It doesn't make sense. Right. I go to, I, it, Coda has given me the ability to recognize the emotional availability of people for where they are. Some people are available to talk about our dreams and our wishes and our goals and where we want to be and growth. And some people are available to have a beer and laugh about the Rays game. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it is, we have to be able to recognize where someone else is when we are going to them for something. And I'm just going to be honest, right? We have a family of recovering individuals that are at different places in their lives. They're different places in their recovery. It's not, but growth happens at different paces. And sometimes the people we talk to early in recovery might not be the people we need to talk to five years in recovery. I'll never forget my very first sponsor. Um, I've forgotten her name. God, that's awful. She was only my sponsor for a couple of months. Was it Marina? Yes. <laughs> so Ashley and I, okay, so Ashley and I started, went to a group prior to Work It, You Were Worth It. When we started Work It, You Were Worth It, we went to another group together. And it was, you were only there a few weeks. Yes. But, so that's why. I and I okay, stayed there a few weeks after you left. Yeah. So, yeah, so I will never forget her. She taught me so many things that, like, Honestly, if I didn't speak to her first, I don't know if I would have ever remained in CODA. And yet, two and a half years later, and I had forgotten her name because I have not spoken to her in so long. Um, what, what, what was once a really good fit may not fit anymore. And that's okay. I think that's part of life. We grow and we change. And letting go 
is a major, major part of life. So I have a question for you. Do you have a sponsor? I do, actually. Okay. I do, actually. So um, you were my second sponsor. I was. <laughs> and um, we, with everything that we do now, I, I don't know where it happened, but we just, I just stopped considering you a sponsor. And really, you became yeah. a friend and an accountability yep. partner, a cohort, yep. you know? Yeah. Um, so I do. I actually did. I, I, I did. I went and got another sponsor because I want to continue to grow. Um, and so I do. I have this meeting. It's a 12-step plus is what it's called. It's not CODA. It's not. AA, it's not Al-Anon, it's 12-step plus. Um, and it focuses a lot on a term that I call emotional sobriety. Um, and I got a sponsor from that program uh, because I just want to keep growing. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't, I had a conversation with somebody once and they told me that they were happy just maintaining sobriety. And that's great if that's what, you want in your life is to stay where you are and simply be good in that path that's amazing right you can become a master of your trade you can be absolutely amazing on your path I want more than that and that doesn't mean it's better it's just different I I, I don't, I, I want to realize that I'm afraid of heights and face that fear of heights. I want to realize that I'm afraid of walking on ice and go walk on ice. Um, I don't know why I want that. I just, I just crave that constant growth. I want to do more. I want to be more. I want to grow. And not to say that I'm not 100% content with where I am because my life is absolutely amazing right now. Um, I'm very content with, with everything going on in my life at this point in time, which is even different from last week. Um, and I don't want to stop there. I want to keep going. And I like, I'm not shocked by your answer at all. Um, because I feel the same way. It's like, it's not, I don't look at you as my sponsee anymore. I'm, and I think that that is one of the things that has changed for me as well is I would meet someone pre-recovery and I would cling on to them because that was the here and the now instead of realizing that people grow and we grow at different paces and right we evolve and that people come into our lives at a time when we need them we get what from them what we need and we might have to move on to someone else that does not discredit me as a sponsor absolutely not not at all I am a damn good sponsor I know that hell yeah but you also get to points we get to points where you need more right you and I I was there in the in that period when you needed me you have given right. me so much and are still giving me so right, much, same, right? Same. Like, I don't foresee our relationship ever just going off to the wayside. Right, right. And yet I do foresee it changing multiple times throughout the next several years. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things where it's more you are now a peer in recovery 
you have learned, I think when, when we have that sponsor sponsee relationship, the sponsee does not feel equal, comfortable, right? And so they cannot challenge. Right. And I, some of my favorite conversations are with my, I'm going to call them ex-sponsees. I've got three of them that I'm really not their sponsor anymore. They are my peer in recovery and they challenge me. They call me on my bullshit like I've done for years with them. They don't let me just be able to skate by because I've been their sponsor. No, they want me to grow. It's the evolving of the relationship. Exactly. And all relationships evolve or they should evolve. When they're not evolving, then they just aren't the relationship for you. It's run its course and that's okay. Doesn't diminish the relationship. Not at all. It just means it's different. That's a hard one to accept sometimes, right? Like after 17 years of being with Nick, that relationship is over. 100%. And it doesn't diminish what those 17 years had. It, it, It doesn't diminish the love, the joy, the happiness, the laughter the it it doesn't diminish any of that it doesn't diminish the pain either it just looks different and eventually down the road like and even now like I don't think you look back at all the pain and the hurt right you look back at the at the good you know there was pain you know there was hurt on both on both parties right it was not one over the other no yeah I mean and and I look back at the lessons more than right right? so more so than looking and that's another thing Coda has given me it's crazy I think we could talk about this for hours um the Coda has given me the ability to look back and not regret resent or yearn look back and evaluate and learn from I, I can't think of a better way to end it than that. I love it. Such a great conversation. Again, thank you, Dawn. Of course. <laughs> just to you, um, and, whew, and I'm going to try this without crying. Um, thank you, Ashley. Thank you for thank you for the last two years. Thank you for three years. Um, thank you for this podcast. I can never express to you the gratitude I have for you doing with this with me I would have never I could never have pictured myself doing this with any better partner um so just from the bottom of my heart I love you and thank you for doing this with me you are very welcome and I love you I adore you um I can't put into words the growth that you have given me, the life that you have helped me to achieve, the things that I never thought I would be able to be, the the characteristics that I so desperately wanted to be but never thought I would be able to be. And with your help and with your hand, I was able to become them. Um, It's worth it. Every moment, every tear, every struggle, every step is 100% worth it. And I love that I'm walking through it with you. So thank you. So year two, here we come, baby. Here we come. Thanks, everyone. I hope you all have a wonderful week and we'll see you soon.
See you soon. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.